show up in a way that we think others think we are. If we've always been told that we're shy, then we continue to act in a shy manner, even though it may not be our ultimate truth. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast, and I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie. I'm excited to help you get off the sidelines and finally step into your calling. So let's get started right now. Welcome back to another episode of the Start Right Now podcast. Today is really a message for all of those people that have felt maybe their shyness, maybe their introversion, maybe not feeling like they're the most gregarious person in the room. Maybe that's the thing that's holding them back. I think the conversation today is really going to get you and challenge you to think differently if you consider yourself introverted, especially. My guest today is Stephanie Michelle. She is a Forbes featured leadership and life coach, a certified hypnotherapist, a best-selling author of this incredible book, about networking and so much more. It's called Confident Introvert. Today, she is going to take us through some really incredible insights, uh, especially if you are an entrepreneur, if you're somebody who's looking to establish and create a really fulfilling career for yourself. The tips that she shares today will help you not only if you're introverted, extroverted, ambivert, anywhere in between. I'm really excited for this conversation. So please welcome to the show, Stephanie Michelle. Hello, Chloe. Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for being here. I was, you know, reading your book over the last couple of weeks when we first got introduced and connected. And I regret only getting the Kindle version because I just couldn't wait to write things down, mark the book up and, you know, just have it as notes because I really resonated with the content. So thank you for putting this awesome piece of work together. My pleasure. So tell us, let's take this back to the beginning here. You are the author. Uh, What was going on in your own life that made you decide you needed to write this book? Many of us have that grand goal, right? Of writing a book, running a marathon, whatever that goal is. And I realize that there may not be a perfect time to write a book. And essentially it was, goodness, it was late 2019. And I realized that I had a lot of existing content around different interviews I'd done on the topic, different speaking engagements. And I I had done plenty of Q&A events through this uh, networking for introverts workshop that I was touring at the time. So I decided to put everything into a Google spreadsheet and categorize things and expand upon different concepts and that that's essentially how the book was born. But if you want to go deeper than that, it all started with the personal transformation journey. Growing up, I certainly identified as being shy and not being the most confident person, let's say in my classroom. Even if I knew the answer, I would not necessarily raise my hand because there was that second guessing of, wait, is this correct? And even if it is, I didn't want to speak publicly. That just wasn't something that I was interested in. And through my adult life, I started to gradually shift how I thought about myself. And I wondered, hmm, what would it be like if I showed up differently? Would I get different results? So it started in college hosting and organizing events and 
getting a positive response and then being labeled as an extrovert, which blew my mind because I had always known that I get my energy from solitude, which is the definition of an introvert. And the only thing that had shifted was my sense of confidence. I love the way that you speak about confidence in this book in terms of especially confidence and introversion. They're not on opposite spectrums. They're not mutually exclusive, even though that might be the way that introverts are perceived as, as somebody who's who's not confident. And you say true confidence is when your sense of self-worth comes from within. So what gets in the way then of people cultivating confidence for themselves? What gets in the way of cultivating confidence is internalizing self-limiting beliefs. Let's say, for example, that at one point in your childhood, someone told you, you can't sing. You're not good at this. You're not good at that. Sometimes we, like a sponge, internalize things without consciously being aware of it. And it plays out throughout our our entire lives. So what can get in the way of confidence is not having a conscious awareness of what we've internalized and not questioning our thoughts. There's a great book called The Untethered Soul that goes into this concept of observing our thoughts and not necessarily taking for granted that it's our ultimate truth and other more concrete concepts that get in the way. So I, I studied sociology and there are a few core concepts that can get in the way of showing up in a confident way. So my favorite concept is called the looking glass self. And essentially what that is, is we show up in a way that we think others think we are. So, for example, if we've always been told that we're shy, then we continue to act in a shy manner, even though it may not be our ultimate truth, because it would feel too uncomfortable. There would be too much dissonance if we were to act differently. Ooh, I get chills when you say that. I'm just thinking about all the ways that that might be true for me, but I think it's true for all of us. I love also, as you talk about this concept and this realization when it comes to the looking glass self, you have a big emphasis on turning inward and this concept of the big light secret, I feel like is a bit of the antidote to this pitfalls of the looking glass self. Can you give us a little bit of paint the picture for us on your concept of big light secret? Yes, Chloe. So this concept of your big light secret is the inverse of your deep dark secret. So when we think of a deep dark secret, it's this circumstance event or aspect of ourselves that we tuck away hidden in shame. So uh, Brene Brown is a researcher that talks a lot about shame and vulnerability and how shame actually can't exist in the lights when we talk about it, when we reduce the stigma within ourselves and get to a place of confidence where we can then share it uh, with the right people. So your big light secret is that thing that you've tucked away with that same sense of shame, thinking or categorizing that aspect of yourself as being negative or possibly something that's really great about yourself that's in disguise as something negative. So an example that I go into in the book is having this belief that I was not a great dancer. It stemmed from when I was a toddler in ballet class, I was not the star ballerina. Let's just say that. So I I internalized from a very early age, you know what, dancing's not for me. That's, I'm not a great dancer. 
However, I ended up learning that there are different styles of dance. There's freestyle and specifically ecstatic dance. And I realized through this experience of actually performing an, an ecstatic dance in front of a group of 50 people that, huh, I actually, I can do this and I can do it well. I got a lot of positive response from it. But for me, it was really about taking a look at this thing about myself that I thought was just not simply not something that I could do, not something that I was good at, and looking at it from a, a slightly different perspective to find a talent. I wonder how much then, when I think about being extroverted or introverted, how much of the time is it really somebody's truly introverted or are they just, or, you know, shy is not the word, are they just self-conscious about sharing different parts of themselves? Are those different things or do they all kind of live in this camp of introversion. What you're referencing appears to me as this distinction between being reserved and being introverted. And correlation does not equal causation. However, yeah, certainly there are people who are introverted to get, that get their energy from solitude that may also be slightly more private with certain aspects of their life that they either share publicly or share with a few friends or share with no one. So, you know, if someone listening right now is wondering, am I an extrovert? Am I an introvert? Is it nature versus nurture? That's certainly something to take into account. Sometimes we have learned as a coping skill to be more reserved and share less of ourselves because there wasn't a lot of positive reinforcement growing up, for example. So, so those are some things to contemplate and explore. But I'd also like to take this opportunity to introduce a fun, a fun test I love a good test. Great. Okay. So what if you are uncertain about how you naturally show up, if you happen to have access to this information and the information is how you came out of the womb. So I realize not everyone will have access to this information, but if you can ask someone who might know the answer to this question, go ahead and ask, was I screaming and crying right when I came out of the womb? Or was I relatively relaxed and quiet? Because you'd be surprised that there are some babies that are relatively unfazed. You know, they're born and they open up their little eyes and they're like, okay, cool, I'm here. And then others are wailing, kicking and screaming. And I'd like to, and because you've read the book, Chloe, you already know the answer, but it may be counterintuitive. However, the baby that is born kicking and screaming and really just full of a lot of life, a lot of emotions, they are more likely to grow up to be introverted. The reason being is they're more reactive to external stimuli and they don't need a whole lot of it to feel really riled up. And that can mirror the experience that introverts have at, let's say, an EDM concert where we're not necessarily kicking and screaming, but that's our internal state. And we want to be in a more relaxed environment typically. Have you seen people move from being introverted to extroverted or do you really believe that coming out in the womb, you're crying or you're not crying, you're you're really showing, uh, you know, from that moment, which you are more of on that spectrum. Do people change? When it comes to our natural temperament, I do believe that some people can show up differently in different contexts. So for example, many introverts really thrive and can talk nonstop about, let's say, specific topics that they're passionate about with one or two friends, whereas extroverts, maybe there's a greater variety of topics, for example, that that same reaction can be possible within. 
So in terms of having your personality change, it, it is contingent upon both the circumstance and and through practice as well. Uh, but it doesn't mean that your energy source changes. Mm. So the concepts that I've outlined indicate that when it comes to our energy, it's it's finite for everyone. Everyone has their point where they need to take a break or take a rest. And that can come up, that wall can come up sooner for introverts. Uh, but I will say that most people are a combination of both. Most people are ambiverts, which uh, means that that you have access to both ways of being. However, I do think that we do tend to veer at least slightly towards one way of showing up versus the other. I love also the examples that you you give um, in the book when you're referencing some people that you would think are you know, super extroverted people. You have Beyonce, you have Brene Brown, Chris Rock, people that can take and own a stage and captivate an audience. And even just knowing and understanding that those folks are actually introverted people that have found a way to channel and manage their introversion in a way that still allows them to be successful, I thought was super powerful. So um, even when you think about you who speaks on stages, you were executing all these networking events, what did you have to do to be able to offer value to people in the room, um, you know, have this career as a speaker? What do you do to be able to push through your introversion and use it as your, your superpower? That shift from being more of a wallflower to being more public and visible as an introvert stems from having a sense of conviction and having a purpose that exists outside of oneself. So while I advocate for finding that sense of self-worth from within, once you identify, huh, I am worthy, that's pretty cool. And then I feel confident having a purpose. So for me, that was realizing my growth journey of feeling uncomfortable and let's say in social situations, then getting to a place where I was regularly meeting people and desensitized to what previously was pretty intense social anxiety to then speaking on stages and doing all of those things. It came from this this greater sense of conviction that I have something to share. And it's not about my nerves. It's not about how I look. It's about this message. Mm-hmm. So good. Even the way that you def- yourself define networking, I like that you reframed it as really thinking about just how you can bring value to other people and not thinking about networking in this really icky, insecure way, right? And you've got a lot of really great tactical examples, um, especially now that networking is happening mostly online. What can we do to get over this icky, overwhelming feeling when it comes to networking as business owners and as professionals in general? It's common to feel like networking is this innately transactional, icky situation when in reality, networking at its best, at its finest, is nothing more than making new friends. And that doesn't mean going to an event virtually or in person and befriending everyone. That's not so genuine. And that's where the reputation comes from when we have this idea that, oh, we need to be such a social butterfly and 
and have a sense of inauthenticity and just be on the surface with people. No, some of the best experiences that I've had at networking events have been let's say maybe fluttering around the room at first, but then finding one person and maybe two where there's that deeper connection where you truly get to know them and not just what they do, but who they are, what they stand for, what their goals are. And then you're in a position to both help and be helped at a later point in time. You're planting seeds. And another thing that I had mentioned is that networking events is not the only place to network. Going to any event, it could be someone's birthday party. It could be a talk that isn't necessarily geared towards a work topic. There's always an opportunity to meet people where you can learn and grow professionally just based on how our society is structured, where people tend to have jobs. That's just, that's how it is. How would you, if you were going to a party today or going to an event today, how would you be moving about the room? It looks like honing those observation skills and getting a feel for the room. And maybe that means when you first walk in, of course, saying hello to the hostess, or uh, if you're in the waiting room of a virtual event, utilizing the chat and introducing yourself, saying where you're from, and let's say waiting in line for a beverage or or food or what, whatever it is, and making some gradual small talk with people in line just about, oh, that's an interesting drink option or just warming yourself up and, and not feeling like you need to necessarily walk into the room and immediately start chatting everyone up in this really intense way. Allow yourself to really feel into the energy of the room. And then I recommend, especially as you're gaining comfort and confidence in approaching people, start by approaching one other solo person, assuming that you've attended solo, that, that's another tip that I recommend uh, to attend things solo, because then you don't latch on to the people that you came with. There's more incentive for you to get out there. And when I was earlier on in my journey, I would typically look for someone who maybe looked a little bit uncomfortable, who was on their own. And it became my goal to help make them feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate that so much. I think you offer a lot of um, just tips and tools for people that maybe don't consider them introverts and are extroverts, but just ways to reflect, ways to connect more with yourself and the people around you. Um, I love the the concept of the solitude sandwich, the daily three, two, one. Can you take us through a couple of those concepts as well? Yes, the daily three, two, one is this power hour that's composed of three key things. So it's 30 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of journaling, and 10 minutes of meditation. And essentially, so I created this concept in order to allow for that quiet time at night before you go to sleep. Studies show that it's really powerful to unplug from technology to enable you to get a full night's sleep, to then have enough energy the next day to have that sense of calm within yourself to, that's necessary to feel confident and then connect with others. So I take a really holistic approach here. And what the daily three, two, one does, and, and of course, if you choose to, you can incorporate this into your morning routine, but I personally find it much more effective uh, in the hour before bed, because what you're doing is you're experiencing that input of information where you're reading a book, the average person reads for 19 minutes a day and 
for the amount of any amount of time that you read over that, your lifespan increases. So that's why we're going for 30 minutes every day. Why not increase our lives, right? And so we're getting that input and it can be for fun. It can be reading something for professional development, whatever you'd like to read, doesn't matter. And then the 20 minutes of journaling can be prompted or I love a good free write where you you can write about how your day went, anything that's on your mind that needs to be expressed or list some points of gratitude. And then to tie everything together, that integration is meditation. And of course that, that can be done with the assistance of a track or it can be done with silence. I prefer silence and a timer and a candle in a dim, dimly lit or, or dark room. So that was more of a winding down approach and the concept of solitude sandwich comes into play throughout the day. Oftentimes, especially as we've been remote, there's been this idea that, oh, because I'm just sitting down in the same chair, I can just attend back-to-back-to-back meetings, have back-to-back-to-back calls. And some of us can be wondering, why do I still feel burnt out even though I've just been in the same place? And, And that's your answer right there. You're burnt out because you've just been in the same place. We need some variety and the ability to decompress even if we're more passively attending an event or attending a meeting, ensuring that your calendar has a built-in buffer. I like to have 15 minutes on either end of meetings to have an opportunity to use the restroom, to stretch, to eat something. So yeah, when it comes down to a solitude sandwich, the contents of the sandwich, the peanut butter is your event or activity and your bread that varies. It could be a thin very small amount of time or larger Texas toast style uh, amounts of solitude that buffer the activity so that you have more energy to devote. What I'm hearing so strongly is just how important and how beneficial it is to just really come to a place where you understand yourself. It's not going to be the same impact for you. It's not going to have the same effect, but spending the time to get to know what works for you so that you can recharge your batteries um, when you need is really important. Absolutely. For you, um, what was your biggest learning about yourself in this process as you just start to learn more about this topic? What have you learned about yourself? The process of writing this book has been a really great reflector in terms of how far I've come and emphasizing that it's not over yet. This journey of transformation and being cognizant and aware of different areas in which we can grow doesn't end. So uh, especially with the sort of revamp that a lot of us have experienced over the course of the last year, it's, it's going to be really important to revisit these concepts as we begin to reemerge into an opportunity to forge new connections and create new communities. So yeah, one of the main things that I'd say that I learned is that the work continues. It's it's there's never a sense of uh, finality with this journey. Do you find or do you feel that society values extroverts more than introverts? That has historically been the case, where especially when it comes to different research data around who's paid more, that those studies do suggest that extroverts do tend to have a higher income. Uh, than introverts in the in the traditional nine to five world, and 
that's that's a direct indicator of how the more traditionally extroverted ways of being have been more valued. However, with thought leaders like Susan Cain, Brene Brown, and people beginning to own their introversion and leaders, people in leadership positions, seeing through that stereotype of a successful person and saying, wait a second, if we focus less on the way that people get there, more on the results, then maybe it's okay if someone is not speaking up in every single meeting. But what I work with clients on typically is getting to a place where they're not statically silent in meetings, at least taking some steps to be more visible and to be heard, to to have a chance to, uh, yeah, to be recognized in that way. I love that. So, so powerful. Stephanie, can you tell us about your work? You are a leadership coach, a confidence coach. You really help people to celebrate their strengths. Tell us about some of your programs and resources that you have for people that want to continue to learn from you. Yes. So I'm a leadership and life coach, also a hypnotherapist. So I work with clients, primarily professional women to stop holding back and get to a place where they're leading their lives with total confidence. So some ways to stay in touch and learn more. One would be to go to thestephaniemichelle.com slash coaching and explore. You can see some testimonials from past clients and see what it would be like for us to have a one-on-one chat. And I would also encourage you to download a free confidence meditation. It's rooted in subconscious reprogramming, really powerful. And that can be found at thestephaniemichelle.com slash freebie. One last final piece of advice you want to give to any of the introverts that are listening to this, who have been on the sidelines, they've been waiting to launch their thing. They, they've got these fears. They've, you know, imposter syndrome and not understanding and knowing their value. What's the biggest piece of advice that you could give um, to any one of those people listening to this? So if you don't already have a goal, let's say that you have so many creative ideas, choose one and it may not be the perfect one, but go all in on that one goal and start to take steps that are doing things that you don't typically do consider being out in the world and actually doing the things that you've been thinking about or dreaming about as your market research. Stephanie, this has been an awesome conversation. You guys need to go check out Stephanie's website, download some of her freebies, get to know and understand, especially if you're an introvert, um, get your hand on a copy of her book, The Confident Introvert. Her website again is thestephaniemichelle.com slash coaching. Stephanie, it's been a pleasure. Yes, Chloe, thank you so much for having me. Until next time, everybody get started right now. 